we're in this case to win this case, and I'm gonna do whatever I can to help you, and my expectation is that when I'm on the stage up there, you're helping me. I can't stress how important it is to have a team. The warrior ethos isn't just for the military. This guiding principle can be used to lead a firm to victory. It's not some dude in a loincloth holding a sword. It's a team of warriors fighting together, making sure we all get better every day. Welcome to Personal Injury Mastermind. I'm your host, Chris Dreyer, founder and CEO of Rankings.io, the preeminent personal injury marketing agency. Before we get started, if you like what you hear, head on over to Apple or Spotify and pound that five-star review button. And if you don't like what you hear, tell me about it in a one-star review. I got a big hug for all my haters too. Each week, we talk to the best in the legal industry. Ready to dominate your market? Let's go. John Barry leads his team of 30-plus attorneys across all 50 states to fight for his clients. The Barry Law Firm is one of the fastest-growing law firms in the Midwest, and at the Inc. 5000, six years in a row. A veteran himself, he is an unapologetic defender of our Constitution and an advocate for veterans. Part of his success is understanding his avatar. No, not those tall blue aliens, but your ideal client and catering to that specific person. Here's John Barry, owner and CEO at Barry Law Firm. My father was a trial attorney. He uh, took me to the courtroom when I was young. I met a lot of judges uh, and, and got to watch him in trials. Just being the oldest son in the family, the, the, the thought was that I will take over the family business, so I better learn it. Yeah, so your father, you know, legendary attorney, John Stevensbury Sr. You know, were there particular values that he instilled in you that, that still ring true today that, that he really pushed on, um, you know, raising you? Yeah, my dad taught me how to make sure the client feels understood. Not only was he a, a, a veteran, uh, but also a, a radio show personality. He was actually being paid for the drive time, the four to six. Imagine this now lawyers pay would pay millions of dollars to be on the four to six p.m. radio show. But you know, he really uh, showed the I think the creative side of law, right? That uh, law kind of like marketing, right? There's a numbers aspect and a science to it. And in trial, you'd better know your rules of evidence cold. But if you can't be creative, it's hard to win. And I think it's very similar to marketing. And he would go out and market himself. And he would, uh, not by paying for it, but by being on this radio show and talking about the Constitution and, and supporting and defending the Constitution uh, as a soldier and then later as a lawyer. Yeah, and that, that's so unique, and it's so difficult now. I mean, of course, you know, you know this so well, just how expensive it is to get attention. And you've you've done a, an excellent job of that. And, you know, Inc. 5000, I think five years in a row. Six. <laughs> six years. Six years. Fantastic. Fantastic. I just wanted to jump into that. What's your philosophy on marketing and, and business development? Where, where do you see this in garnering attention? Well, I think it's important to educate the public, right? At the end of the day, there's... You know, I learned this in criminal. I've, I've tried a lot of criminal cases. Someone's complete family is destroyed. Their future's destroyed. Their name's been tarnished forever. And how do you how do you get that back, right? And sometimes it's after the trial. And clients still tell me, you know, it's great. I have my freedom, but this false accusation has ruined my life. 
And so I've always thought about it in terms of the, the clients. You find usually that if there's one victim, there could be thousands, just like Camp Lejeune, right? And maybe there's other military bases and there's other things that we have to look at. And I think sometimes to get that message out there is extremely important. As lawyers, our job is to educate the public. And if we're not educating the public, we're failing. And yeah, it, it, in some ways it comes off as, as marketing and it should because that's what it is. And we need to be honest that we need to drive business. But on the other hand, educating the public about what we do is crucial. So when you when you look at that and you're trying to choose a channel, are you looking at just any avenue that can drive attention like a distribution? You know, I've seen I've seen your YouTube channel. You got a few thousand followers on both channels. You've got very strong taglines in it to win it. How does that play in, you know, your message when you're choosing which channels to disperse this message? It's tough. And I think that's the scariest thing in marketing right now. I mean, keep in mind, 20 years ago, I was mad when the second phone book came out, right? Because it's like, oh, no, I got to advertise in both books. It's going to cost twice as much money. And I mean, it was driving a ton of business until the, you know, the phone books all died. But uh, you've got to test and measure everything. And you don't know what works until you do. And that's, that's really the science of it. Now, yeah, you want to test the strong taglines. And if you have a, a big enough team and enough money, you can A-B test and this works, this doesn't work. But do I really care if it's red works better than blue or whatever? No, I don't care. I want a strong message that, that, that builds our brand, that, uh, that provides some insight into who we are. I don't want to do something generic. If it doesn't excite me and get me fired up, I won't do it. That being said, uh, do you go with OTT, terrestrial television? You know, are, are you on YouTube? Are you using social media? Which social media channels? Even TV, what, there's, there's hundreds of channels, so it's a different game. I generally try to stick with sports and news for our, when we run on terrestrial TV because that's where I believe our avatar watches TV. I don't think my avatar watches Judge Judy. I don't think my avatar watches soap operas. I need to create a message that will be strong and resonate with our avatar but will also uh, be displayed on the proper marketing channels where we think our avatar is hanging out. Let, let's break that down a little bit. So some of the audience listening may, like what, what's, what's John talking about an avatar here? You know, we're, we're demographic, psychographics, you know, what, what goes into that? Um, because I think that's critical because then you know where to advertise and get the most value for your dollars since it's so expensive. So how did you go about, what's that process in, in you know, creating that avatar? It's, it's figuring out who our best clients are, right? So we think about our 10 best clients over the past year. Where did they come from? Tell me about where they eat. Tell me about their family. Tell me about whether they have a religious preference, what that religious preference is. Tell me about whether they're veterans, whether they have family members who are veterans, what TV programs do they watch, what sports programs do they follow? Looking at all of that and saying, okay, so, so how do we create a message that resonates with these people and that doesn't, doesn't uh, you know, convince them that we're not the right fit, right? We want to make sure that we're the right fit for them. And we know that that is going to turn off other people. I'm okay with that. We're pro-veteran. We're pro-athlete. Look, we would rather represent the 42-year-old CFO who's in the car accident, who's got the three kids that he's trying to send through college, than the 30-year-old kid who lives in his parents' basement and his fingers are stained with Cheeto dust from playing uh, video games all day eating Cheetos. You know, so our, our avatar is, who do we want to represent? And, and in my mind, I, I took this from Dan Sullivan, but who do you want to be a hero to? We get to decide who we're a hero to, and that's my avatar. Who do I want to represent? Who's my ideal client? And so I build my marketing message around that. Now, I could make it to encompass everyone, but I'm not afraid of alienating people who are not our avatar. I don't want everybody. 
I'd love to have all the veterans but uh, and, and a lot of the athletes, but I don't want to keep everybody happy. That's not my role in life. My role is to find somebody that I want to be a hero to. Before John became a lawyer, he had a long and illustrious career in the military. He takes us on that journey and explains how the warrior ethos continues to guide his choices. I was looking at West Point and I was going to a military high school at the time. I had a cousin who was a naval officer said, you really need to check out William Mary. They're always in the division. Now it's called FCS, but the division one double A tournament every year. Great, great campus. So I went and visited him and uh, we went to the campus. And I just fell in love with the campus and uh, was playing football. I got injured pretty bad my uh, sophomore year you know, on the scout team. Right. <laughs> so then I knew I was going to sit out a year and uh, I, uh, I knew that I was going to become a lawyer, but I wanted a challenge first. And I thought, gee, I've been always trying to eat, you know, seven meals a day, gain all this weight. To, to, I was playing fullback at the time, gain all this muscle. I thought, God, what a challenge it would be to go through Army Ranger School and, you know, live on no sleep, no food. These guys are losing 40, 50 pounds in 63 days, uh, pushing their bodies to the limit. I'm like, that's the challenge that I want. And so that's what I did. And I became an infantry officer, went through Ranger School, uh, had a deployment to Bosnia in 99, came back. Um, and then about... 2000, I uh, got out, went to law school, but I stayed in the National Guard, deployed to Iraq in 2005, and ended up retiring as a lieutenant colonel. But the one thing I've always chased as a lawyer has been that, that, that feeling of a, being a new second lieutenant. You're a brand new officer. Everybody's smarter than you. Everybody's got more experience. But you know, you know you're part of the greatest organization in the world, right? And it's just, it, it, it's mind blowing to show up every day at 5.30 and everybody's fired up to go do physical training and then we're gonna work hard as a team all day. And so I've always wanted to recreate that. And I think, you know, the, the military was part of something that's always been in my family. My father uh, served in Vietnam, wrote a book called uh, Those Gallant Men on Trial in Vietnam where he defended the command of the 5th Special Forces and murder trials and successfully got the case dismissed. Uh, it was a, a big national uh, case. And, uh, you know, but just uh, I, I love the idea of supporting and defending the Constitution overseas. And now I get to do it every day uh, with individual clients. This warrior ethos is like it. It's so visible and so present. How do you describe this warrior ethos and, and how does it show up in your practice? How does that impact your hiring, like with your team? So generally, the way I see warrior ethos is you know, to quote Sylvester Stallone and Rocky. It's not how many times you get knocked down. It's how many times you get back up. And I have a whole saying about our core values, which is it has to start with integrity. Integrity is what you, you do, what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. When you have integrity, then you must commit to your team. And when you commit, guess what happens? People hold you accountable. And you're accountable for that extreme ownership, right? Everything that happens in your world that you touch, you control it. Once you have all those, no doubt, warrior ethos comes along. That's where you're leading, and then you get kicked in the teeth, and you get knocked down. And that's where you got to get back up. And when you're doing that, you're leading by example, which is being the teammate that you want. So those are all five of our core values. But to touch on what warrior ethos really is, it's a team of soldiers kicking in a door to clear a building where we've got everybody's back. We're coming in with all of our firepower. We're going all in, and we're not going to leave a fallen comrade. You know, we know that no one's going to leave us behind, but we're going to accomplish this mission together. So warrior ethos is not some dude in a loincloth holding a sword. Warrior ethos is a team of warriors fighting together, making sure we all get better every day. I love the team component. And when I think of, of leading and leading and saying leading, and no one likes to be managed or supervised, but they like to be led. 
and leading by example, you're, you're out on the front. And, you know, it, it makes me think of that on your site in, in terms of your positioning. It says, you know, you have a team of attorneys, a team versus one, one attorney. So how is that different? Is that, is that just how you're internally structured? I've heard some individuals top down hierarchy and then others do, you know, cross-functional pods. Like what's it look like in actually working up this case and working as a team internally? tell you this, as soon as I started teamwork and jury trials, I started winning a lot more. And I noticed that was the biggest difference was teamwork. Now we still will run a focus group, which requires teamwork because we need teams to you know help us set it up, right? The logistics of, of a focus group, uh, but always have co-counsel for trying when you try a case. And if you can't have co-counsel, case may not be big enough for you, you know? And, but I would say that in preparing the case, you need people who have strengths. I enjoy uh, legal arguments, but I, I don't care about the black letter of the law like some people do, right? It's not my obsession. I'm here to win. And uh, for me, that's the excitement of the courtroom. I'm too old and fat to play football anymore. You know, I can't jump out of airplanes, but by God, I can get in the courtroom and I can have that same experience and it's competitive and it's doing the same thing, protecting somebody's rights. So I love to get into that, but I'm not great at everything. And so I just, I tried a federal case in January of last year and I had a, a lawyer with me that did a phenomenal job on the, the, the legal side. You know, it's kind of like Jerry Spence. Every sidebar objection he had prepared, you know, written, he was prepared for everything right before trial. And he just he just destroyed the opposition. They were no way prepared for this. Uh, and, and, you know, my strengths were in the, in the voir dire and opening statement and cross-examining the witnesses. But, but really letting him get in there and just tear apart the legal arguments. And I think when you have a team approach, everybody has unique abilities, things we do better than everybody else. But nobody's the best at everything. I've tried a lot of cases with my wife, who's a phenomenal trial attorney. And, uh, you know, if I can work with someone who raises the energy level, like I, I just become so much better. And so in my mind, uh, if you have a team member, it's like you have higher level of accountability, but you also have this higher level of commitment, right? Because it's like, okay, we're committed to the client and we're committed to each other. We're, we're, we're in this case to win this case. And I'm going to do whatever I can to help you. And my expectation is that when I'm on the stage up there, you're helping me. And so I, I, I can't stress how important it is to have a team. And if you can't focus on the most important thing that's going on right now, you're not going to be as good as the guy next to you who's completely focused. So in my mind, it is all about focus and you cannot focus without a team. And so, you know, if you have a law firm, you got to grow it. You got to grow it so that you can have the support to be the best lawyer you can be. So that you're not doing all the stuff you're mediocre at just to run the firm. You're wasting time. I mean, think of the greatest athletes in the world, right? Do you think they sit around and do you think they make their own meals? No, they know they need to eat healthy, but they've got a trainer telling them what to eat. They've got somebody else making their meals and they're showing up to compete every single day. And so that's, you know, that's my job as a lawyer for my clients to show up and compete. Do I need to worry about payroll? No. If I'm a good enough lawyer, I should be able to pay someone to do that. And I know that may sting for some people, but that's the way you got to think about it. If you want to be a great lawyer, you don't have to be a great businessman. Hire a great law firm administrator and then, you know, and then graduate and hire a, a great COO. But if you want to be a great lawyer, you need discipline and you need focus. And you can't focus when you're doing everything. John has 2,000 plus reviews across his firms. He explains why reviews play a critical role in the success of his firm. In 2016, I'm in Avo and I'm listening to this thing about reviews and how important reviews are. And I'm like, okay, this is garbage. And then I'm you know, learning, okay, well, this is kind of crowdsourcing information and you know, there's the Amazon effect. 
And then I start, I go back and it's like looking in the mirror and I see our reviews. And I'm like, wait a minute, like I got a two-star review from this guy. I got him over a $100,000 back pay award from the VA and he's saying it took too long, right? And, and, and the realization was that no, that actually we got it to him quicker, you know, than most people, but he didn't, he had no frame of reference. And so the thought is like by getting these reviews, people will know. So I said, okay, like we're going to consciously ask for reviews and it's uncomfortable, but I love being uncomfortable, right? So that's just part of our culture that we're going to provide five-star service. I'll tell somebody uh, during an initial consultation, look, we intend to provide five-star service at any point. If we fail to get you what you believe to be five-star services, you tell us. And, uh, you know, we, we will gladly have that conversation with you. But I do think that it keeps the team accountable. And look, every single day, all the reviews, at the end of the day, get emailed to the entire team. So we get about 110 team members. They all see all the reviews. We let clients know we are going to ask for a review. Now, the other part of it was with our veterans disability practice, because it's a contingency practice, just like PI, we would see, uh, you know, veterans are very loyal. And so we would see people come in and they'd bring us stuff from their garden or they would send us, you know, long thank you notes, like pages of what we did for them. Uh, or they'd send us baked goods. And, and I thought, well, gee, like we got all these great stories, but we're not sharing them with the team and we're not sharing them with the public. So I said, well, if we just ask for the reviews, what's going to happen? And we had veterans that were like, yeah, absolutely. I would love to write a review. I would love to tell my story. And some of them were even like, well, I want, like, this is important to me because we have, you know, people say it's 22. It's more than 22 veterans a day commit suicide. And we've had veterans come to us say, I was going to kill myself. I, I had no money, no hope, no help from the VA. And you guys convinced me to stay, you know, to, to take this battle seriously. You told me you'd do the fighting for me. I'm like, great. Put that in a review. Let's share that with other veterans. And so, well, we have some veterans and some of our uh, personal injury clients who want to keep things very quiet. I, I understand that, and I completely respect that. We have several who want to tell their story, who, who kind of are, are almost like apostles, right? They're like, we want to spread the good word of Barry Law because if, had they not helped me, I couldn't have done what I did. And, and some of them go on to build businesses and do amazing things with, now they have some money, now they have some treatment, now they have some resources. And so once I started going after the reviews, the clients like, well, what about testimonial videos? I'd love to do a video. I would love to tell my story to the world so that I can help more veterans get the benefits that they've earned. One of the things I love about this is when you are sharing this with your team, it gives them a purpose, like a why, because it has meaning. And there's so many attorneys that I speak to, they really struggle, you know, and pay for the reviews and they try to add it to processes. But I, I think what you did, what you really rings true is like you share the reviews and then they get to read those stories and it brings meaning to their job. Yeah. Yeah. And look, it's a KPI for the attorneys, right? Like we expect you to get reviews. If, if you don't want to ask for reviews and be uncomfortable, this might not be the right place for you. As attorneys, we can't accept extravagant gifts, but uh, we can accept a review and the review lives on forever. And to me, that's one of the greatest gifts. Uh, only second to a, uh, a referral, right? So right. referrals and reviews. And I think of the Disney, the Disney World effect, right? Where people go to Disney World and they take a bunch of pictures. And even though it's hot and there's long lines and the kids are crying and everybody's sticky from all the ice cream, you know, they look back at the pictures and they say, but that was a great experience, right? And I'd go there again. And look, we have about 40 veterans on our team. 20 of them are Marines. So it's like, I got to talk to a, fe a fellow Marine that walked the same streets of Iraq as me. It's like, this was such a great experience. And they write all that down. And that's what they remember. Now, not only does it help us, but for them, for their trauma, for the, you know, and just, you know, from the bad experiences they had with the VA or whatever, they now have a positive experience in their mind and they've written about it. And it, that's going to stay in their mind longer. So it turns a very negative experience into a positive one. 
Yeah, putting that pen to paper. You know, when you have these evangelists and they have these experiences that they remember when they write the review or they do the video, that then it's easier for them to share and talk to maybe their colleagues or peers that have a similar situation. And then that's one side of referrals. But let's talk about the peer referrals. What's your view on, on garnering like those peer referrals? Our state bar rules do not allow for referral fees, so we're we're in a different position than a lot of a lot of law firms. Uh, we don't you know we don't see a lot of PI referrals, but I have had some from my peers. I would say your best source is is your, your law school classmates. I was amazed once the billboards went up. Like most of the contacts I was getting, it was mostly people I knew in the community who either knew me through the military, uh, the National Guard, or through law school, and they were all you know reaching out saying, "Hey." I, I was just thinking about, I need, I got this case. And so while we don't do, you know, referral fees, there have been some pretty big cases where we've said, you know, um, I want to partner with you in this case right now. We have also had cases where it's like, okay, this isn't the right case. Even if it's an injury case, this isn't the right case for us. This isn't our avatar. We're happy to refer that to somebody else. When you refer a case to somebody, you're lending them your credibility. Right. And so there's, it's usually reciprocal, right? Referrals are king. You want referrals and there's nothing better than a referral from a peer because a referral from a lawyer is a pre-sold case, right? By the time they come to you, it's, Hey, it's not about whether you're a good lawyer. It's about whether you gave them great client or customer service. Yeah. And it's just the way that people make this buying decisions now, like you said, they, they may find you on Google or a billboard, but then they're going to go read your, go to your social media. They're going to go watch your YouTube videos. They're going to read your reviews. And then, then it's like an attribution nightmare, right? Then it comes in and it says Google SEO and all the SEO people are happy, but in reality, they might have originated from the billboard. <laughs> Our intake or sales team. The first question is always who referred you to us? Because inevitably what happens is we get to, well, I, I found you on Google. That was the response. And so then I talked to him. I said, what do you mean you found? Well, I went to Google. Well, well how did you know to look for us? Oh, my dad told me to go find you guys and, and give you a call. So I said, well, that's a referral. So now I got to train our sales team on what's a referral. I got to train our lawyers on what's a referral. But we have to ask that question. Who referred you to us as opposed to just sitting back and, and hoping hoping that it gets the attribution is right because that is the scariest part of marketing. You're spending money everywhere. And, you know, usually there's things you can do that ride, all the ships rise as you spend more money. Uh, we had an issue with Facebook where our Facebook ads went down for six weeks. Guess what? We didn't see a change. We thought we were going to see a dip. There was no dip. And so we said all other spend being the same, you know, is, is this something we want to continue to do? Right. And so I, I think it's tough. It's because you just... Look, when you start out, I would say when you're under a million dollars for a firm, you want to do as much direct response marketing as you can. If you can track the SEO, if you can track the PPC, if you can track uh, your newsletter or whatever you're sending out, do that. But then once you get to eight figures, once you get above 10 million, you're playing the branding game. And it's a scarier game because you can't figure out where all that money is going. All you see is that lift, right? So all of a sudden you're doing the branding, the TV commercials, the billboard, the radio, it's going up uh, and it may still be coming through the PPC channel or it may still be coming through SEO, but how do they know to look for your firm? And we find now that we've, we, we spend a lot more money on branding that our advertisers and dollars and branding translate to Google searches of Barry Law. Yeah, it does have that rising tides effect, right? If you're going to do SEO and you got the branded searches, people are going to click on your results more and maybe even click on your Google ads more. So it all kind of has this multiplying impact. And, you know, I've heard Chris Walker talk about, hey, put on your form, how did you hear about us? And just let them type it in. And sometimes they'll tell a story. And over time, you get to get to see trends. You get to uncover more information. And I think that's why you're, you know, who referred us to you? Then you're going to get that same type of information. It's a, it's like a similar tactic, but very powerful. Yeah, I, I got great respect for Chris Walker. The things he's done. 
I wholeheartedly disagree. When you do that, that, that free text, it's not as searchable. It's a lot more work than if you have a drop-down menu. It's, I think it's easier when you give the drop-down the choices. I don't like the free text anymore just yeah. because yeah. Uh, that has I've, I've learned the importance of having good structured data, and that has really uh, been a game changer. And we've lost a lot of opportunities because we did too much free form on our, on our uh, you know, intake software. Nice. I love it. I love it. And let's talk about your your book. So you got a book book coming out, veteran-led military leadership lessons to help your company survive, thrive, and dominate. You know, what's the book about? What inspired you to write it? And when's it going to hit the shelves? Do you have like a, a release date? Yeah. So I mean, this is not your typical military. You know, I'm going to tell you how to be hard and tough. You know, it's about the simple leadership lessons that all veterans learn going through as a new member of the military. What I really wanted to do was to help our veteran community get out in the business world. And I think, you know, if you look at small businesses, the backbone of America, the non-commissioned officer is the backbone of the military, and they know how to execute. Look, anybody can plan, you know, plans become fantasies and dreams, but military members have been trained how to execute. And so a lot of the skills that they have, they don't understand, they're immediately transferable. And that's what I'm trying to communicate to that to the military community is you've got what it takes go out and do this and so we've had so many great stories from clients uh one of them uh he's 100 disabled he started a crossfit gym and you know what he got other disabled veterans to start coming there i went there one morning 5 a.m i'm showing up there are there are soldiers who are amputees who are working out it's kind of what's your excuse and I'm like, oh man, like these guys are getting after it. So I, you know, there's, there's all these veterans uh, that we've, they've helped over the years that have said, look, now that I have my benefits, now that I'm getting my education, now that I have some money coming in, I want to do more and I want to do something in my community and, 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 and they'll give back to nonprofits and stuff. But they're like, but, but what's next? And I'm like, well, build a business. That's what America was founded on. That small business. I said, you do that. You're going to be two times a citizen. Go out there, do it again. And for most veterans, we took an oath, you know, and we still, we still want to support and defend the constitution. We still want to help our communities. And in my mind, that's through the small business community. And I want to get more veterans out there because here's the deal. We come back from service and you hear a lot about PTSD and some of the mental health conditions. Well, the problem is you came back, your life had a purpose in the military. You had a team that would die for you. And, and you come back, there's no mission. The team's gone. You're, you're back in ordinary life. You're working, you know, an eight to five job when you used to be 24 seven. Right. And it's just the excitement isn't there. The, the rush isn't there. The team isn't there. The purpose isn't there. I want to give that back. I can't wait to read it. You know, John, this has been absolutely fantastic. I got one final question. You know, what's next for Barry Law and where can people go to learn more? I, I think our involvement in the veteran community on a national scale. You know, I've seen the veteran community is fractured. I haven't, you know, the last election, nobody cared about the veteran's voice. We heard about all these other groups. So the, the bigger picture for, for Barry Law is in our service to our veteran community. Yes, we still support and defend the Constitution. We will continue to grow in areas of personal injury and criminal defense because that's where the constitutional warriors show up to fight every day. Thanks so much to John Barry at Barry Law Firm for everything he shared today. Let's hit the pinpoints for today. Pinpoint number one, to determine your avatar or ideal client, Look to the 10 best cases you had in the past year. When you put them all together, what are the common threads? Where do they eat? What sports are they into? What brands do they like? Then create a message that would speak to that specific person. Where did they come from? Tell me about where they eat. Tell me about their family. Tell me about whether they have a religious preference, what that religious preference is. Tell me about whether they're veterans, whether they have family members who are veterans, what TV programs do they watch, what sports programs do they follow? Looking at all of that and saying, okay, so, so how do we 
create a message that resonates with these people. We want to make sure that we're the right fit for them. And we know that that is going to turn off other people. I'm okay with that. Pinpoint number two, potential clients need social proof. It might be difficult to attribute where the lead came from, but it is worth the time and effort. Even people who get referred will look to Google reviews and social to get their questions answered. Referrals are king. You want referrals, and there's nothing better than a referral from a peer because a referral from a lawyer is a pre-sold case, right? By the time they come to you, it's, hey, it's not about whether you're a good lawyer. It's about whether you gave them great client or customer service. Pinpoint number three. Measure it, track it, share it, and change it. John is so transparent about the reviews that he emails everyone on staff a roundup of the reviews for the day. This transparency keeps everyone accountable and puts five-star service at the center of their decision-making. This is kind of crowdsourcing information, and I see our reviews, and I'm like, wait a minute, Like, I got a two-star review from this guy. I got him over $100,000 back pay award from the VA, and he's saying it took too long, right? And, and, and the realization was, that no, that actually we got it to him quicker you know, than most people, but he didn't, he had no frame of reference. And so the thought is like by getting these reviews, people will know. So I said, okay, look, we're gonna consciously ask for reviews and it's uncomfortable, but I love being uncomfortable, right? So that's just part of our culture that we're gonna provide five-star service. I'll tell somebody uh, during an initial consultation, well, look, we intend to provide five-star service at any point. If we fail to get you what you believe to be five-star services, you tell us. And, uh, you know, we, we will gladly have that conversation with you. But I do think that it keeps the team accountable. And look, every single day, all the reviews at the end of the day get emailed to the entire team. So we got about 110 team members. They all see all the reviews. We let clients know we are going to ask for a review. I'm Chris Stryer. Thanks for listening to Personal Injury Mastermind. If you made it this far, it's time to pay the tax. No, I'm not talking about taking your cash like Big G. I'm asking you for a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. Leave me a review and I'll forever be grateful. If this is your first episode, welcome and thanks for hanging out. Come back each week for fresh interviews where you can hear from those making it rain. And remember guys, shh, do not share this episode with anyone. Anyone.